Uh, I, want us to, I want us to spend some time to, to finish out this section here in John chapter 9. It, it would possibly be the greatest moment of this man's life. He's been blind his whole life, and then he's been healed. I mean, that's a great way to start a day, isn't it? Isn't it? If, if, if you had cancer when you got up this morning, wouldn't it be wonderful that if, if about 10 o'clock your cancer was healed? I mean, if, if you haven't been able to walk for a lifetime and all of a sudden you could walk, that's just a great day. I've been blind my whole life. I've been a beggar my whole life. And now everything has changed. But before the day is ended, this man's going to be kicked out of the synagogue. He's, he's, going, to, he's, going, to be kicked, he's going to be kicked out of the center of Jewish life. You are no longer welcome here. You, you, you are no longer welcome in the place that people go to, to be around people socially. Your possibility of holding a job is no longer going to be there. Even the idea that, that you could come together with God's people, you're not welcome here. I, I don't know if you've ever been, been kicked out of a church. Sometimes people talk about being kicked out of a church, and, and it's not... It's rare that that sort of terminology is actually an accurate description of what really happened when people start talking that way. But on occasion, those things happen. Uh, some of you know what it means to basically be told, we don't really want you to be here anymore. And I can tell you, that's a hard pill to swallow. And so what starts off as the greatest day of his life has is, 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 is come to a crashing, to a crashing halt. Around verse, around verse 34. And so you're just trying to picture the emotional roller coaster that this man would have been on. And on one hand, I've been healed of blindness, which has made me a beggar. But on the other hand, just when I thought, this is everything I've been waiting for, everything in my life is taken away from me. And it's in that moment. It's in that moment that in verse 35 it says, Jesus heard that they had put him out. And finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? You remember a couple weeks ago when we were back in chapter 1 and we, we spent a little bit of time focusing in on, on, on this, on this uh, phrase in verse 1 that as he passed by, he saw a blind man. And just the importance of knowing that Jesus knows. He doesn't just walk through life unaware. He doesn't just exist unaware of what's going on around him. Jesus has awareness. But not just awareness that he was blind. He had awareness of everything that was going on in his, in his life. Some of you may know what it's like to watch people that you care about from afar. Not, not saying anything, not doing anything, but there come those moments when you, when you begin to realize, oh, I need to go to them. I need to step in in this situation. In just a few chapters, we're going to be reading about the death of Lazarus. And there comes a point when Jesus says, we need to go there. Right? There's a, there's a while when He says, we're purposefully not going to go there. But at some point, He says, we need to go. Jesus heard what had happened. This man whom He had healed, because of the chain of events that that had set off, as wonderful as they were, had resulted in his, in his being kicked out of the synagogue. So Jesus goes to him. You remember, this man doesn't know who Jesus is. You remember? 
he said back in verse 11, the, the man who's called Jesus, I don't know who healed me. And in verse 17, when they're arguing about what he is, he says, I don't really know, but he's a prophet. I mean, I know he came from God, right? So he's struggling with this. He doesn't, it's not like I've been waiting for Jesus to come back around. When Jesus comes back around and he sees him, this is the first time he's ever seen him. Because the last time he was in his presence, he's blind, right? And so Jesus comes back and, and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answers in verse 36 and says, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? I mean, I, I, I like what you're saying. I'm understanding that this is making sense to me, but, but, but I don't really know. I, I don't really know who he is. I want to believe in the Son of Man. I want to believe in the Messiah. I want to believe that there is one that has been sent by God. But I don't know who that is. It, it, it reminds me of sometimes you will have very pure and genuine hearts that, that really want to believe. Are, have, are totally open to opening up God's Word and whatever God's Word says, that's what I'm going to do. But they don't have a clue what God's Word says. So it's really kind of a beautiful moment when that happens where it's like, well, let me show you, right? That's what this man is saying. I, I, I don't know who this is, Lord, that I may believe. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and he is the one who is talking with you. And all of a sudden you can kind of feel, see the wheels turning in this man's head, right? Jesus is saying, um, you, you do know. You ever have those conversations with people and, and you're talking about somebody but you don't realize who you're talking about but the person you're talking to does, right? Maybe with your wife and, and, and Beverly says, Dale, you, you know them, right? And I, I don't know them. Oh, yes, you do, right? I mean, we spent six months with them, and we're like, oh, I didn't know that's who we're talking about. That's kind of common. Kind of, you, you not only have seen him, I am he. He is the one who is talking with you right now at this very moment. And that progression from some man who healed me, he must have come from God. And he said, verse 38, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. All of a sudden, he began to understand not only, not only that there was a Savior, but who that Savior really was. And he's standing right in front of him. This is the appropriate response, one of worship. One of, one of humility when I want to exalt them. I want to praise them. I've told you, if we understand who Jesus is, we will worship Him. But if we don't know who Jesus is, we will not worship Him. And it's at the core of a lot of struggles we have with worship, in, 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 in the, in the, even in the church. But we don't really know who Jesus is. That's why we're sitting here bored to tears. Because we don't really know who Jesus is. But when you really begin to understand that, it, it, it produces and it motivates you to worship this beautiful transformation. Jesus says to him, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. 
You see, there's a lot more going on here than a man who is blind. That would be hard to accept if you were that blind person. Because I'm thinking if you were blind, that'd be front and center in your life every day. Wouldn't it? You ever have something in your life and it just tends to consume you? I mean, you, you have stuff in your life, I have stuff in my life. I mean, the whole world kind of revolves around it, and I don't know why your world doesn't revolve around my thing. I mean, we, we just as human beings. Jesus knew this man was blind. He knew what he was going through. But I'm going to tell you, this is not about a man being healed or being blind. Because there are a lot of blind people who didn't get healed. There are a lot of blind people in the world today who have not been healed. Is that because God can heal them? No. Is it because God doesn't care about them? No. They just haven't been healed. This man was. Because there's something more going on here than just his blindness. What this is really about is spiritual blindness. Jesus saw a soul. I came into this world to judge, to, to create a distinction. Okay? We, I know we can, there's a lot of abuses of what judgment means and what judgment doesn't mean. And, but I was thinking about John 3, 317, where Jesus says, I, I did not come to judge the world. The world is already judged. So parallel that in your mind. What he's saying here is, when I came, I'm going to cause a distinction between those who walk with me and those who do not walk with me. That those who do not see may see. That those, that those who may not be viewed as those who have the relationship with me may be shown to be the ones who truly have the relationship with me. I'm also come to expose that there are some who think they are walking very close to God who do not. You have to remember that the people that crucified Jesus are the religious leaders. They are the people that if you walked into town and you said, tell me, tell me who's the religious people here, those are the people that crucified Jesus. And, and if you said, tell me, t- tell, me, tell me who the religious people are, they're not going to point to the beggars. Jesus has this, has this understanding or this ability, uh, ability may not be the right word, this thing that He does over and over again where He constantly exposes this. He constantly exposes the pureness of one's hearts. Uh, it's always fascinating to me in Mark, in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus is talking about the use of parables. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 11, He, he, speaks, he speaks of parables and he says, this is verse 11 and 12, he says, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, they get everything in parables. In order that while seeing, they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. And we think about a parable as a way to illustrate, right? To what to make things clearer, which is certainly something that parables do. But Jesus says at the same time, parables also hide They hide the truth. They hide the reality. From who? From insincere people. From people people who who are not willing to truly examine their hearts. The message will be hidden. And they'll be allowed to carry on in their foolishness. But when you stand before Jesus, that'll be seen over and over. We've seen that throughout throughout this text. When he said this, Those of the Pharisees who heard him saying these things said to him, We are not blind too, are we? So there's this this thing. um, You ever had this moment when you're, maybe you're listening to 
Um, it could be a sermon, it could be a conversation that you're having, and somebody will say something about a certain group of people, and, and all of a sudden in your head you're like, hey, you talking about me? Right? And, and I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to say that out loud, because when I say that out loud, I'm daring you to say you're talking about me. Right? It's real easy to talk about people in general, but I'm going to let you know, you better back it on up because, because you better not be talking about me, right? That's kind, of, that's kind of what they're doing here. Y'all ever do that? Y'all ever had a conversation? I think we probably have. That's what's going on here, right? Now, we know he was talking about them. Remember this morning when we talked about how they were truly the ones who were blind, right? It wasn't, it wasn't the man who was physically blind. They were the ones who, was, who were blind. I really am talking about you. You really are the blind people. And he's going to twist this again in verse 41 to say this. If you were blind, and he's going to talk about blind with a sense of humility. I'm not looking at myself, but I'm, but I'm, looking, I'm looking towards God. If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, we see, your sin remains. Now, what's he trying to say? You're standing right here before the Son of Man. You're hearing the invitation of the Lord to be extended. And you are ignoring it. You're not only ignoring it, you're rejecting it. You're saying, this is for other people and this is not for me. You remember a couple weeks ago we talked about that? This idea that sometimes we think that the Lord's invitation is for other people and we manifest those things? He says, you're not responding because you think you see. Over and over in in the New Testament, we're told, we're given this warning. Let he who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. How many people in this room are New Testament Christians? Raise your hand. Okay, now I'm going to keep your hand up. Because I'm going to pre- preach a side note. If you couldn't raise your hand, okay? If your hand's not raised, then, then I want you to ask yourself, why is that? Because everybody in this room is welcome to come to the feast. That's what Tony's going to talk about next Sunday, right? Everybody in this room is invited. Jesus Christ died for you. So, so you ought to be a New Testament Christian. And if you're not, it's not because He hasn't invited. It's because you haven't answered. Okay, put your hand down. How many people in this room believe that you have a home in heaven? Yeah. So, so, so once again, if you didn't put your hand up, I, want, I mean, you, you got to answer why, right? If you want to talk to me about it, I mean, that, that's fine. I, I, but you, you, you got to answer that. Now, that's a wonderful thing that you raised your hand. That's the expectation I have of, of, of everybody that's of, of, of age to understand in this room. But... But along with that is also this danger, right? This danger of assuming you have those things, taking them for granted. Y- y'all, ever, y'all ever taken anybody for granted? Has anyone ever felt taken for granted? Right? Most of us probably have from, from, from time to time. Sometimes people will take the Lord for granted. We, just, we take that relationship for granted. Well, it doesn't matter what's happened. I, I'm, I'm, I'm right with the Lord. I'm going to go to heaven, right? I'll live my life any which way I want to, but I want to die, I'm going to go to heaven. And the problem is, you think you see. The Bible says, you, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, you need to take heed lest you fall. 
Can, can we create a list tonight of very real people with very real names who were as devoted to God, maybe even more so than many of us in this room that on this day have walked away from God? Who have fallen? I wish I couldn't make a list like that. I can make a list like that. It's got, my list, it's got elders on it. It's got preachers on it. It's got deacons on it, Bible class teachers, people that I've looked up to throughout the years. kind of hurts even really to think about it, right? It's, 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 it's got the people that you thought, man, <laughs> if anybody's going to go to heaven, they're going to go to heaven. And they've fallen. And some of them haven't gotten back up. If that's true about them, is it true about you? Yeah. And he's saying, can I tell you what your problem is? Your problem is you think you see. You think you see. But if I'm blind, what does that mean? He's talk, if, if, if you have this sense of humility, I'm not talking about a failure to have confidence. I want you to raise your hand when I say oh, you're a Christian or you have a home in heaven. If you didn't raise your hand, you've got other problems tonight, right? But, but, but to come and to say, I'm not perfect. I don't have this whole thing figured out. I don't know everything about everything about everything. So, so, so I, I have room to grow. They didn't think they had any room to grow. To the point that they looked the Son of God right in the face and said, you're a sinner. I mean, right? That's what they did. And they, and they, said, and they said to other people, and if you don't acknowledge you're a sinner, you're out of the synagogue too. That's how, far, that's how bad it got with them. I'm just going to tell you, it can get that bad for people. Okay? It can. It could get that bad for us. He says that's the problem. If you were blind, you would have no sin. He's not saying you'd be perfect. But he's saying if you were blind, if you had that humility, if you had humbled yourself before the Lord, do you know what you would do when you heard that you were guilty of sin? You would repent. You would do something about it. You would get on your hands and knees. You would confess your sin. You would cling to the cross. But because you think you see, because you think you got it all figured out, when you see this possibility that, that you have sin, it never even occurs to you that the invitation might be for you. Never even occurs to you. So what do you do? You just sit there in your sin, lost. That's the problem, he says, that you're facing. Now, for us... To read this from the outside, it's pretty easy to say who's in the right and who's in the wrong, right? I mean, this blind man who didn't know much, by the way, he's the one who goes up to his house justified, right? These religious leaders, they go home in their sin. Pretty clear. They need to repent. Be more like the blind man. The question becomes, which one are we? Which one am I? Which one are you? Well, we have to answer that question, right? At the same time that I have confidence in my eternal salvation, and I think we ought to have great confidence, right? That's why Jesus died, that we may know these things. I need to have the humility of the blind man and not think I'm the standard because he's the standard. So, so here's, here's my question for you. If you didn't raise your hand a while ago, if you didn't raise your hand a while ago about being a New Testament Christian, 
Why, why haven't you done anything about it? Can I suggest it's because you don't think you need to do anything about it? Here's the great thing. Jesus knew you were going to be that way when he died for you. And he wanted to give you another opportunity. I don't know about after this day, but I know he gives you this one. To humble yourself. If, if there's sin in your life, and you know it better than I do. I know myself, you know yourself. And, and you've got to ask this question, why, why have I not done anything about it? Why? Well, if I've not done anything about it, I'm just going to tell you, it has more to do with me as an individual than it has to do with the one who's speaking. Sometimes, and I know you can take this too far, okay? But, but, but sometimes uh, when you're preaching and you're teaching and you're sharing the gospel, you will say things that can be, they can be rather pointed. They need to. People need to hear those things. Or I need to hear those things. Sometimes, sometimes when that happens, people respond and sometimes they don't. Sometimes people respond and sometimes people get really mad. You ever heard anybody get really mad at you for speaking the truth in love? And that's not, I'm not just making up a phrase, right? Sincerely in love. When that happens, what you have to understand, once you've examined your own heart about why was I saying these things and how did I say these things, have that conversation. It says more about the person who's getting angry or rejecting than it does about the messenger. That's what Jesus is saying to them. Not just because he wants to condemn them, because he wants to save them. I want to, I want to convict you of, of your spiritual arrogance because it's only in that conviction that you're going to turn to me. That's what he's saying to them. I, the, the text here in John that doesn't really say what they had to say. I imagine there was a lot of grumbling that went on, <laughs> right? You can imagine. There was probably a lot of grumbling when, when he told them that. Can I tell you what, what, I, what I like to think in my own mind? That there were some good hearts who heard those things. That there were some people that said maybe for the first time in their life, maybe like old Nicodemus that, we, that we've dealt with earlier, who said, you know, I think there may be something to this. Huh. Maybe, maybe I need to find out more about this Jesus. Maybe I do need to humble myself. That's a beautiful picture. It's played out in a lot of our lives in this very room. And I just pray that it would play out in our lives tonight. Friends, if, 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 you're not, if you're not a New Testament Christian, if you're not washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, don't, don't look out and say, I got this all figured out. You be like the blind man and humble yourself. And it's in that humility that you will cling to the cross where you will be saved. And there you shall find joy and peace. If you have a need tonight, maybe that need to repent, maybe a need to be baptized, maybe a need just to ask for the prayers of the church, you come this evening as we stand and as we sing.